want to wish everybody a happy new year. Those of you at all of our physical locations and those of you joining us online at TPO, so glad that you could be with us. And uh, it's hard to believe that uh, we are in a brand new year, uh, 2021. Uh, I don't know about you, if anybody else felt this way, but it felt like last year simultaneously went excruciatingly slow and incredibly fast at the same time. Anybody feel that with me? And I uh, am super thankful to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. Glad to see it go. Um, and yet I know we're kind of uh, hard on 2020, but yet uh, God is still did some incredible things last year. I really do believe that. He was still in the middle of it. Uh, he was still at work. And uh, in fact, just to try to put a bow on last year as we head into the new year. I just want to celebrate a few things with you. Um, we got uh, Traders Point Online uh, stood up on his feet and launched with just in, in a matter of a few weeks back in the spring. We had 279 baptisms last year. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, this is really remarkable. Over 4,000 people got into groups. Uh, we saw, uh, due to your generosity, we were able, back in the spring when the pandemic started, there was a shortage of masks. We purchased over 100,000 N95 type masks to be delivered to hospitals. I gave over $200,000 and 21,000 essential items to ministry partners around the globe for pandemic relief. And uh, over 500 vulnerable children and their families in Indiana were served. And so I just wanna thank you guys for being involved, being engaged. And uh, today we are uh, starting a new series of messages that I've been excited about for a while uh, called Atomic Habits. And this is inspired by a book that I read about a year and a half ago with the same title uh, written by a guy named James Clear. And maybe some of you have read it, maybe you've seen it or you're familiar with it. And it's not necessarily a faith-based book as, as far as I can tell, but many of the principles that he talks about are certainly found within God's word. And one of the things that I like to do at the beginning of every new year um, is to just do a series on what I might call um, spiritual formation. And if you're not familiar with that term, basically what that just means is that what are some of the uh, small daily practices that you and I can implement into our lives to help form us more and more into the character of Jesus. I think that one of the most misunderstood things about faith in general is that we think that it's gotta be like this, like uh, automatic, uh, like uh, total change overnight all at once. Now I wanna be very clear. Uh, your conversion can happen in an instant because it's not on you. It's on the work, finished work of Jesus on a cross. So as soon as you, you don't have to have all your questions answered. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all your sin taken care of. You, you profess your faith, your trust in who Jesus is and who he declares you now are in an instant. And then from that full point forward, you are being formed more and more into the likeness of Christ, spiritual formation. I love what John the Baptist said. He said, it is more and more of Jesus and less and less of me until it is Christ alone. It's this process of transformation from the day of our conversion. And so uh, that's what the next four weeks are about, inspired by this book, Atomic Habits. Now to kick things off, I've just got a, a question uh, for all of us, those of you at our physical locations and those of you online, just a show of hands, how many of you are hoping that this year is better than last year? Show of hands. If your hand is not in the air, we are kicking you out, all right? It's, your hand better be in the air because this year needs to be better than, than last year. And uh, I love 
that word hope. In fact, hope is one of my favorite words. And I love how Romans 15 talks about hope. It says that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can not only have it, but we can abound in hope. I love that. But have you noticed that hope can be used in sort of a positive way and then hope can be used in sort of like a kind of a weak way. And I've heard this a time or two just in the last couple of months. I'll give you an example. Maybe you're having a conversation with someone just about world events or about the pandemic or whatever. And we just say something like, you know what? I I just can't wait for the pandemic to end. And they say, I sure hope so. Sure hope it ends. Sure hope things get better. And you're kind of like, I don't really feel encouraged by that. Like we're using hope in kind of this weak way. And whenever it comes to like hoping that 2021 will be better than 2020, that's a great place to start, but it's not really a great place to stay. It's actually got to go beyond that. We can't just hope that we have a better year. We actually need to begin to do some things about it. We got to make some small adjustments and some changes. Maybe you're familiar uh, with uh, Albert Einstein's quote whenever he's defining insanity. He says insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting what? Different results. You, You could actually say it this way though. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Now, I don't even know if that's proper English, but it's true. Right? If, you, if you do what you've always done, it, regardless of how much you hope for different results, you will get what you've always received. <laughs> you might even write this down. This, this is so brilliant. I, things aren't going to change if you don't change. Like there's gotta be some sort of an adjustment that we make in our lives. You just can't hope your way to a better financial situation. Like right now, if you are in a whole bunch of credit card debt and you're not saving very much for the future, you can't just say, well, I hope things get better. Like I hope I can get to a better financial situation. Like you can start there, but then you gotta begin to implement these small adjustments and changes to get you there. When it comes to maybe family relationships, and maybe you've got a family relationship that's strained or distant or dysfunctional, and you're like, man, I sure hope it gets better. You've actually got to begin to make some, some changes and some adjustments. When it comes to your faith, and right now maybe your faith is a little wobbly. Maybe right now it's somewhat non-existent. Maybe you need to, it needs to be strengthened. And you're like, well, I sure hope by the end of 2021, my faith is stronger. Well, you can start there but you can't stay there. You've got to begin to make some adjustments if you're going to experience any sort of change. And so we, we find ourselves in this position of wanting to change, but we can't. So I think that oftentimes when it comes to the beginning of a new year, most of us are op- more open to change than ever. And so if I could kind of illustrate this, um, We've got like these uh, two sides of maybe what we might just call kind of a canyon or there's a space between where I am and where I want to be. And so here we are and we're like, this is where I am and this is where I wanna be when it comes to any category of your life. So finances, relationships, faith, whatever. And so what we end up doing is we end up like making a New Year's resolution of some kind or we set some sort of lofty goal or we say, this is where I want to be. And then we end up taking this huge jump and then we end up like falling short and we fall and we, we, we miss our mark and, uh, and we get discouraged by this because we're like, well, I bought the book. I attended the conference. I had the conversation. I did the thing, but I didn't get to where 
I wanted to be. And the reality is that if we're gonna see any sort of significant and lasting change, it almost always, 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 it does not boil down to this big decision that we make, it boils down to our habits at a small level. So let me define what a habit is. A habit can be defined as a settled tendency or usual manner of behavior. It is an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. In other words, like it's become so ingrained in your daily practices and processes that you don't even necessarily see it anymore. Now, I think that one of the um, challenges when it comes to thinking about habits in our incorporating habits into our lives is that uh, many of us grew up and the way we were kind of trained to think about habits is that uh, these are bad habits that we need to break away from. So we almost always thought about habits in the negative. We didn't necessarily think about habits in the positive. And so when I was a kid, like I had a number of bad habits that my parents would, or my teachers would try to break me of. They would say, Aaron, that's a bad habit. You need to stop it. And one of uh, like my worst habits that I had when I was a kid was biting my fingernails. Anybody else have that bad habit? Anybody else still have that bad habit? And I would like bite my fingernails and nothing that my mom did would break me of it. And I remember one day she um, decided to uh, spray lemon juice on my fingers to try to discourage me from um, biting my fingernails. And so, and I don't even know if I should share this with you. This is like so gross. I, I ended up uh, just choosing to like chew on my toenails instead. Like I literally did that for a while. It was like super gross. Thank you for this place of love and acceptance and grace. Uh, and so there's like a number of like bad, ha- like maybe even you think about it now, like, oh man, that's a bad habit. I need to stop it. But how many, how many times do we think about habits in the positive? Like what are some good habits that we need to begin incorporating into our lives? See, a, a habit isn't just an annoying or a distasteful behavior. A habit is a direction. A habit is a building block. A habit is one step closer to where you ultimately want to end up. A guy named Sean Covey put it this way. He said, our habits either make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. We don't become what we decide to do. We, we don't become what this big giant leap that we decide to make. We become what we repeatedly do on a regular basis. And so here's the really sobering reality. Kind of like the bad news before we kind of get to the good news is that the sobering reality is whatever it is that you are experiencing in your life right now. And I just want you to kind of do just a, a little uh, evaluation uh, here at the beginning of, of the year and think about every category of your life your relationships, your career, your finances, your faith, uh, your, your uh, thought life, whatever it is, your health, whatever it is that you are currently experiencing in every one of those areas is the direct result of your daily decisions and habits. Now there's some things that are outside of our control. Like you, you can't control everything, but what you can do is you can control your daily decisions and habits. And I'll tell you that when you can begin to do that, it'll give you more of a, a stable footing in the midst of all the uncertainty that is swirling around us. In a world of rapid change and in a world that is outside of our control, one of the things that you do control is your daily decisions and habits. And so here, here's, here's the really good news though, is that um, if you can change your habits, then you can literally change your life. 
If you can change your habits, you can literally change your life. Not all at once, but little by little. And see, that's the problem with New Year's resolutions. And I think that most of us know it, which is the reason why we've mostly given up on them is because statistically about 80% of New Year's resolutions we abandon by Valentine's Day. Well, why? Well, because we established this really, really lofty goal that, and they're good goals. They're like, you know what? I, I, I want to uh, lose 25 pounds and I want to pay off the $10,000 in credit card debt. And I want to read my Bible, you know, and pray for two hours a day. And they're really good lofty goals, but they're way too big. And uh, we end up getting discouraged without an incremental and an attainable plan to get there. And those are key words, an incremental and an attainable plan to actually get there. And so having a hope that 2021 will be better than 20 is a great place to, to start. But if there's anything that last year taught us is that there are so many things that are simply outside of our control, but we do have a say in our daily habits and decisions, which is why I'm so excited about this series. And so I just wanna encourage you, whether in person or online, to lock in with us for the next four weeks as we walk through this together. And uh, as I said just a few minutes ago, that a lot of the principles that are found in the book Atomic Habits can be very easily found in scripture, uh, beginning with Jesus. We see that Jesus was a man of daily habits. In fact, let me just give you a couple of examples. In Luke chapter five, verse 16, referring to him, it says, Jesus continued his habit of retiring to desert places and praying. And we see him doing this on a regular basis, that Jesus would be with the crowds teaching and then he would retreat and he would go off by himself. And it was actually those retreats that enabled him to uh, give himself away and do what he did with the crowds. Jesus had developed that habit. Another example is found in, in Luke chapter four. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boy at home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. So Jesus did this on a regular basis. And that's always stood out to me because I thought, you know, if anybody had a pass on church attendance, you'd think it would be Jesus. He's kind of like, oh, I think I got it covered. Like, I think I got all the answers. I think I've, you know, got this all taken care of. But Jesus found it necessary to go on a regular basis to the synagogue. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that the author of Hebrews gives us a clue to this. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. I love that visual. It's kind of like, uh, like things have sort of settled to the bottom and every now and then we need to be stirred up once again and stirred up to what? Well, love and, and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think that this is such a, a critical passage, especially for the time period in which we are in. Let us not neglect some of these habits, one of them being that as imperfect Christ followers, we gather together to stir one another up towards love and good works. And you can develop the habit of that either way. So one of my um, just concerns uh, through all of last year and through this pandemic and even through the duration of it is just wondering what kind of habits uh, we are developing right now that might stick with us on the other side of the pandemic. Now, uh, one of the things that's sort of mind blowing is that if you look at on paper, we actually have more people, even though less people are physically showing up to our campuses, we actually have more in people engaging 
in our worship services on the weekend due to technology in the midst of the pandemic. And yet I've had a number of conversations and messages from some people that I know love Jesus and are committed to our church that haven't engaged in a service in months. And they'll just say, I'm really wrestling with depression or I've gotten out of the habit or I've just, I just forgot what day it was. I've been working at home, kids are e-learning from home and I just, I just missed it. And so one of my concerns is, and this is a question I think all of us have to ask ourselves, listen, the pandemic will eventually come to an end, but right now you are being shaped by your habits in the midst of the pandemic. The question is, are they habits that you wanna keep when the pandemic is over? Right now you're being shaped into someone And so you can't control some of these outside things, but you can control the habits that you cultivate in your life because habits can be good or bad. They can be helpful or unhelpful. They can be destructive or constructive, but either way, they are cumulative in their effect and they are stronger than your will. Let me say that again in in case you started uh, daydreaming or the dog just ran through the living room. Habits are cumulative in their effect and they are more powerful than your will. In other words, this this is a will. So I'm gonna will myself across the canyon and you fall into it because you didn't get there. But habits are, they're step by step by step. And on those days when you just don't feel like it or you're not seeing results, you're still continuing on in that same direction. So I wanna kind of wrap up the rest of our time by just kind of camping out on this question uh, right here. Why is it that, why do most of us not see um, change even when we're committed to it? Why is it that oftentimes we don't see the kind of change that we would like in our lives, even though like we're, we're genuine about the goal that we set. We are sincere about the desire uh, for us to accomplish this thing, but then we end up giving up on it. And, and almost always it, it comes down to this, this graph right, right here. So when it comes to the word atomic, what comes to your mind? Well, for me, it's like explosion, right? Like the atomic bomb, something big takes place, but the atomic bomb doesn't happen without an atom, like these small things. The word atomic defined actually means this, incremental, extremely minute or tiny. It's this idea of small adjustment. That's the key. It's this small daily, the small daily practices that get us to where we want to be. I want you to think like building blocks. They are incremental and they are cumulative in their effect. So why do we not see change when we're committed to it? Three reasons. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes is that we have a tendency to overestimate the big moments and we underestimate the power of small daily improvements. That's where we have to start and that's where we've got to stay. Just think about it in just like, uh, uh, like even if you could just make a 1% change or a 1% improvement every single day, if you run the math out on that, by the end of the year, you'll be 37 times better. And the reason why is this thing called compound interest. And compound interest, for those of you financial wizards, can work uh, against you. This is why it's so hard to get out of credit card debt because of compound interest and why it can work for you in your 401k. That you add little by little by little by little and it just continues to compound. And listen, that same thing is true in relationships. And so if you think, you know what, that relationship is really dysfunctional and it's broken down. I don't know why it's fixed because we had one conversation. We went to counseling one time. 
We went on the great vacation and nothing seemed to work. Well, that's just like one thing, but you gotta implement small daily habits to get there. The same is true with your finances. You're like, you know what, we're in a mess. And so, you know, uh, we'll wait till we win the lottery or we'll wait till we get the inheritance or we'll wait till we sell the business. When all financial books will tell you that the most effective and healthy way to build wealth is little by little. I love how um, Eugene Peterson puts this in one of his books that he wrote a long time ago. I love the title. He said, it is a long obedience in the same direction. So you might write this down. Small disciplines made on a consistent basis is how big change happens. It's these small disciplines that are made on a consistent basis is how big change happens. That's true in every area of life. Here's the second reason why we oftentimes don't experience change even though uh, we are committed to it is we give up too quickly because we actually don't receive results fast enough. That's true for me. That's probably the biggest one for me is that I'm impatient and if I don't see results faster than I would like, then I end up giving up. Um, I remember when I was in the eighth or ninth grade, I really wanted to uh, dunk a basketball and there's a number of factors working against that that you can tell just by looking at me, like that ain't gonna happen. Uh, but I saw an advertisement for these. Maybe some of you uh, recall these. <laughs> Anybody have the strength shoe uh, growing up? And I saw this on TV and I was like, man, I got to have that. It's, it's a shoe with this platform at the front. So it forces you to walk on your toes. And so I did all the workouts. I ran in these things. I worked out in the strength shoes every single day for a week. And I got done at the end of the week and I was like, all right, let's see the results of my, all my work. And I took off these strength shoes and I put on my regular basketball shoes and I barely could touch the net. And I was so discouraged. I was like, these things don't work because I gave up too soon. I, um, there's been like a number of studies on why change is so hard. And visually, if we were to kind of like look at it, if this uh, represents um, results, and this represents the time to get the results. What we want, like for, for me in the strength shoe, I wanted to see results like right away as fast as possible. And, uh, and then this is also true when it comes to like getting out of debt. This is true when it comes to relationships, your career, when it, any, any, you just fill in the category. And so we want to see, especially here in the Western world, we want to see results. We want to see results fast, like hockey stick up and to the right. But here's how change normally happens, is that you make a commitment to something and you're probably going to see a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a lag before you eventually begin to see exponential results. But it takes some time to get there. Now, here's what knocks us off track, is this space right here. And you might call this the valley of despair. This is where New Year's resolutions go to die. <laughs> the Valentine's Day is about like right there. I would say that uh, in the midst of this uh, pandemic, we're probably about right here. And many of you are feeling it. Like the, especially like here in Indiana, the weather's really gloomy. We came through the holidays. It's like, here, where, where, when is this thing gonna turn a corner? And this is where most of us give up on many of our commitments. This is where most of us give up, but if we could just hang on, 
eventually you're going to turn a corner and you're going to see exponential results. Like if you, if you decide like, hey, I'm going to get in shape this year and you buy the gym membership and you go and you're pumping weights and you're trying to change your diet and then you go home at the end of the week and you're like, I, I actually gained two pounds. This doesn't work. But if you can do this for six months, eventually you turn a corner to see exponential results. And this is true in every area of life. Think about how many people in scripture could have easily given up in the valley of despair. You can just trace this narrative all through scripture. Moses, Daniel, David, Ruth, like God had promised them these things. It said, this is where you're going. And then every single one of them went through this valley of despair where they could have easily given up, but God was at work behind the scenes. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, really illustrates that graph really well. It says, so let's not get tired. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't, don't get tired of doing the things you know you need to do at just the, say it with me out loud, even those online, right time. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? If we don't give up. And maybe right now, I know that there's somebody who needs to hear that. You need that encouragement right now. I know you're tired. Don't give up. I know right now it seems like we're never gonna turn a corner on this thing. We will. Don't give up. It seems like you've tried everything you can to make that relationship better. Don't give up. Seems like you've tried to get out of, of debt and it just seems like the unexpected bills come in and you've lost the income. Listen, don't give up. You're trying to get closer to God. A year ago at this time, you're like, I'm set to go. I'm ready to go. I'm gonna grow closer to God. And the events of this year just hurled you, felt like it hurled you away from him. Listen, don't give up. If you continue to do what you know you should, God give us, gives us this promise. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up up. You've got to just continue to push through. Results are always a lagging measure of your habits. You get what you repeat. Here's the third reason why change is oftentimes so difficult is that we almost always get wrapped up in what to do rather than who am I? So uh, oftentimes when it comes to resolutions and goals and these things that we want to achieve, we immediately go, okay, what do I got to do to get it? And let me try to jump to that to do it. But then it doesn't necessarily stick because it's not being informed out of our identity. So if I could just give you uh, one more uh, graph, I might uh, talk about this graph of, of uh, what to do and how to do it. And so when we think about goals and resolutions, we think, okay, what do, what do I got to do to get there? And that's where we start oftentimes. But then the next layer underneath that would be, well, how am I going to do it? That would be like the systems we create to actually get there. And then the inside would just simply be who? This is a question of identity. And most often what we do is we stay way out here with the, with the do stuff. And that's really, really hard to white knuckle goals without actually having it come out of your identity. The key to lasting change is to declare, who do I want to be? And out of who do I wanna be, then that informs, well, how I'm gonna do it. And then that, that it will eventually inform the do. Can I say that, uh, by the way, this is what has short-circuited many people's um, faiths, is that perhaps you grew up in a church environment 
that focused almost entirely on this. Stop doing that. Start doing this. There's another word for that, a fancier word for that. It's called moralism. And it's the reason why so many of you tapped out when it came to God. You thought church was all about making you feel really, really bad about yourself and all the things that you know you should do, but you know you'll never live up to it. And so eventually you either learn to fake it or you just walked away from it. And you said, I don't know that I even believe in God or that's good for you, but that's not good for me. Or you just stopped going to church altogether instead of being camped out here because this is the gospel message is that God fundamentally wants to change your identity. As God says, listen to me, there isn't anything that you can do to make me love you more. There isn't anything you can do to make me love you less. You are loved and I've given my son Jesus for you to make you into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so, so there isn't like this incremental step to be loved by God. There isn't this like incremental step to, to, to your salvation. Like if I can just try to learn enough about the Bible and do enough really, really good things and then maybe eventually I'll get saved. No, you can be saved in an instant. Why? Because Jesus has already done the heavy lifting for you. It's his finished work on a cross, not your ongoing work. So you can be saved in an instant. And then from then, this new identity in Christ, it informs everything else. And you begin to grow and you are transformed slowly into a new creation in Christ. Your identity drives your behaviors. And without that, trying to establish a lofty goal is like trying to nail jello to a tree. Have you ever tried to do that? Of course you haven't, that's crazy. But if you ever did try to do it, it wouldn't work. It just won't stick. You've got to say, no, who am I? Who has God declared that I am? And then all of my daily habits and decisions get informed out of that. And James Clear actually talks about that in Atomic Habits. He says that like, this is one of the reasons why for those who are trying to quit smoking, why it's so difficult for them, because if they don't start with identity, if they just start with behavior and stay there, then the, the, the willpower will only take them so far. So if somebody offers you a cigarette, you say, no, I'm trying to stop. You can only say that so many times before you'll give in. But if somebody offers it to you, you say, no, I'm not a smoker. That's an identity thing. And the same thing is true in every area of our life. Romans chapter 12 speaks to this. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. The Greek word there for conform is this word, syskematazo which basically just means to shape one's behavior by a pattern. What, what English word does that sound like? System. It's these systems that we create to get us there. So Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but set some New Year's resolutions to change your life. No, it doesn't say that. It says, <laughs> do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a process. That's these small daily habits that point you in the direction of where you want to be. See, see your mind, like defined, that's the beliefs and the values that lead you to act in certain ways. And then it, go, it finishes the passage to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So when you know who you are, that informs what you know you need to begin to do. So. Uh, here's the application today. And I, I just wanna make this as simple as possible. I want you to uh, think about the day of your funeral, all right? 
And I want you to not just think about like um, what that's gonna look like or who's gonna be there. I want you to give some thought to uh, what are they gonna say about you on the day of your funeral? And I'm not talking about from up front because usually um, people say all the really, really nice things from up front, whether they mean it or not. I want you to imagine passing through like the fellowship hall afterwards or in the hallways when people are having private one-on-one conversations talking about you, what are they gonna say? And now's the time to begin making decisions to live your life in such a way so that on the day of your funeral, people say the things about you that, that you really do desire, that you re- the mark that you really do wanna make on this world. So here's the very simple application set today. Today, while it's fresh, just get away for 10, 15 minutes and write down who you want to be. Who do you wanna become? And you might draw out um, categories of your life, you know, maybe when it comes to your relationships or your career or your faith or whatever, who, who do you wanna ultimately be? And then the next step is start some small daily habits that reinforce that. So how am I gonna incrementally get there? And then the third one is so important. Don't get discouraged if you mess up or don't see immediate results because atomic habits are cumulative in their effect and they have power as you stick with it. And as Galatians says, don't give up. Several years ago, I uh, used this illustration that some of you may recall, and I don't think it's a bad thing to reuse illustrations because uh, it's good to be reminded. And then there's a number of you that haven't ever heard this, but I gave this illustration of the Chinese bamboo tree. And the Chinese bamboo tree uh, starts off like any other tree, it's a seed in the ground. But once that seed gets planted, uh, nothing happens, like for a really, really long time, almost to the point that you don't think anything's gonna happen. So the seed goes into the ground and uh, several months go by and nothing. A year goes by and there's still no movement in the soil. Uh, Two years go by and you think something is massively wrong. Three years go by and you're like, I think the seed died. I don't think anything's gonna happen. Four years go by, you stop thinking about it. But then at five years, the soil begins to stir and the Chinese bamboo tree breaks through the soil. When I first read about that, I thought about what would it have been like for the very first Chinese bamboo tree farmer? The very first one, right? Like the guy to figure this out. And, I, and like, what would it have been like if he would have like, you know, read about these Chinese bamboo tree seeds and everything. And he's like, oh man, nobody else is in the market on this. And so he quits his job and he decides to go all in and start the Chinese bamboo tree business. And he talks his spouse into it and she reluctantly gets on board and they sink every penny that they have into this. And he goes out into a field and plants all these Chinese bamboo tree seeds. And then he just waits. And several months go by and there's nothing. And she's asking him about it. And he's like, I'm sure, I'm sure that any day now we'll see some results. A year goes by and she's like, can I come down and see our investment? He's, he's making excuses as to why she can't. Year two goes by and she's like wondering, like, did you forget like where you planted them? Kind of like how you forgot our anniversary. Like, did you, did you just not know where they are? Like, and year three goes by, she gets angry. Year four goes by, the anger turns into outright cynicism. And so he comes home at night and she greets him at the door. And she says, hey, honey, how was your day being an imaginary Chinese bamboo tree farmer? I'm just here all day running imaginary errands. I'm preparing an imaginary dinner. 
Maybe we'll have some imaginary intimacy later tonight. I don't know, it's just like the worst, right? He's just totally in the doghouse and he just feels like an utter failure. And then at year five, the soil begins to stir. And if you know anything about the Chinese bamboo tree, at year five, the seed finally springs up out of the dirt. And in six weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree grows 90 feet. And I would imagine that he went home that day and he was like, how you like me now? A little swagger in a step. I knew what I was doing all along. Right now, there's a number of you that are in year two, three, or four. And you're ready to throw in the towel and give up. And maybe that's your marriage, maybe that's your friendships, your a relationship of some kind. Maybe that's your faith, maybe that's your health. Maybe it's your mental and emotional health. You're just tired and it's totally understandable given the kind of year that we've been through and the season that we are continually in. We are collectively right here. But what God's word promises and what history shows us is that eventually we'll turn a corner to see fruit, to see a harvest, to see something spring up out of the soil of this pandemic. God is at work and you need to know that you're not alone and you can't control so many things that are going on in this world. But what you do have a say in is the small daily habits and disciplines that inform not only who you wanna be, but who Jesus died for you to be. And so right now today, there is an invitation that is open for you to find your identity in him. That's what the gospel message is. It isn't all these things you need to do and not do. It's who Jesus declares you now are because of the sacrifice he made. And I just wanna give you that, an opportunity to respond to that. If you would like to talk to anybody about what your next steps are in that, you can just simply text Jesus to 87221. And somebody from our team would love to follow up with you. And join us next week as we continue on this journey of talking about the power of atomic habits in our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we thank you that 2020 came to a close. We're grateful for another new year. And God, right now, many of us are tired. We're exhausted. We're out of steam. We're sort of at the bottom of this valley of despair. And so, uh, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now to encourage us, to strengthen us, to, to fill us up whenever we just feel sort of emotionally and spiritually empty. God, I pray that this series would be transformational in our individual lives, our families, and in our church. That as we uh, are navigating continually through this extended season of discouragement, that we would not fail to see the opportunity that's right in front of us. That you are at work, you are digging our wells deep, you're establishing deep, deep roots so that we might yield some significant fruit in every area of our life. So God help us by the power of your spirit to develop habits during this season that will endure beyond the season. And we thank you for your grace that covers us as we make our way through it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.